Hey everyone, this was kind of an unusual episode of the Bitcoin Cash podcast, so I thought I'd check in from post-production and add a little note that might help to explain the context. So guest Daisy Fabria was a little bit anxious about coming on the show, and I think once we were live, uh, that did kind of overwhelm her a little bit. So I'm sure you'll pick up on that as you listen to the episode. So instead, what happened kind of halfway through the show and rather unprompted was that uh, about an hour and a quarter in, uh, there's an appearance by Kaniac, uh, who is another member of the Bitcoin Cash community that also just happened to be in, um, in, in place to be involved in the live stream so he comes on and we also talk to him uh rather unexpectedly and because things had kind of gone off the the plan that i had for the episode i just decided to roll with it and things ended up going quite off track from being about bitcoin cash and there being a lot of uh discussion about particularly the canadian truckers convoy protests and what's happening in uh, Canada at the moment as well. Things, yeah, things didn't really go according to the usual schedule, and I'm sure you'll see that when you, uh, when you listen to the episode. Um, but the key point I wanted to hit on was that uh, I, I actually quite enjoyed this episode myself in that uh, it did take the show in a bit of a new direction but I don't want it to become a regular feature of the actual Bitcoin Cash podcast itself right the show is so far you know through its history has been very uh, information dense it's supposed to be a very very high signal to noise ratio source to get news and updates on Bitcoin Cash and education about cryptocurrency um with you know a little bit of entertainment and banter kind of mixed in but that's the that's the core premise of of the show and that's what i think the listeners uh value about it so i i won't be changing that and if you don't enjoy this episode uh then that's fine just come back the next one it'll be back to the same uh regular programming However, if you do enjoy aspects of this uh, episode, especially when it gets more into that sort of free talk section in the in the second half, then send me an email, jeremy at bitcoincashpodcast.com or join the Telegram group, which you can find by going to bitcoincashpodcast.com and looking in the, um, in the footer bar. And uh, yeah, just get in touch with me and let me know what you thought about that segment because even though it wasn't the standard bitcoin cash podcast i think there was sort of some kind of value there and i am considering potential ways to incorporate that maybe in a spin-off or something different that is a bit more live stream focused and a bit more um conversational maybe or that can get onto other topics outside of strictly uh, Bitcoin Cash and pretty much Bitcoin Cash only. So I'm very interested in audience feedback. If you love that bit or if you if, if you hate it as well, you can also feel free to 
uh, reach out to me and I'll endeavor not to, you know, let the show go in that direction in the future as well. But uh, that's that's it really. It's just a heads up that yeah, this was kind of an unusual episode, uh, and so take it <laughs> take it for what it is. Uh, and if you don't enjoy it, well, it will be back to the same regular Bitcoin Cash podcast in the next episode. That's it really. Thanks uh, and enjoy. There will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. We're coming for you, banks. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. Do you use like wants to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin. Miles Town, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. Today it is episode number 39, TikToks and Smart BCH tokens featuring special guest daisy fabria today is sunday the 13th of february 2022 uh and we're trying something a bit different because we've got the three time zones going here we've got the philippines the uk and canada so this is truly the global (laughs) reserve currency uh conversation happening here so my guest today is daisy fabria who is a bitcoin cash content creator she makes tiktoks uh that's kind of her specialty i guess uh i would say uh and is yeah joining the show to tell us all about how to build up a viral audience in the new content world with uh bitcoin cash so daisy welcome welcome to the show introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how you got involved in uh bitcoin and, and bitcoin cash Hey, I'm Lacey. <laughs> uh, I started to um to meet Bitcoin Cash through Nice Cash, my step Cash. Yeah. When <laughs> when was that? Was that uh, last year or the year before? Two thousand twenty. It's one year ago. One year ago. Okay, so yeah. fairly uh, fairly new to the scene. You know, on this uh, show, we've had a huge range of of guests, and I, I love to see that. You know, some very very uh, early adopters, and they have a different perspective on how the scene has you know been built up and, and developed. But obviously, we want to grow to kind of everyone in the world, right? So it's really important that we always have new people coming in and getting getting excited about it. Um, and building up, you know, the, the history where they learn all the kind of things that happened uh, in the past, but then they're also really good at spreading to new adopters because they understand, oh, wow, this can be kind of new and difficult and confusing. So when you started with uh, Bitcoin Cash, did did you find it confusing or overwhelming? Well, I'm confused for the first, well, for the first time. Yeah, at the at the start. Yeah, yeah, at the start. I so, don't know that about it. Yeah. So, what did you do to learn about uh, Bitcoin Cash? Did you have a? I did. I did some research. 
and I need some uh, vlog for that on my YouTube channel, but I'd stop it. Seems like YouTube is not for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you're yeah, helping to spread it onto onto new uh, channels, and that that's something we'll talk about as well too with TikTok. You know, it's it's really yeah. great the way that you make it kind of more accessible uh, to you know a new audience, right? Because at the moment, as far as I know, like obviously Ooh. I put out content on YouTube, and there are other uh, content creators as well, but. <laughs> Uh, crypto is not exactly or at least bitcoin cash as far as i know is not dominating necessarily on on youtube or on twitter or on any yeah. uh, specific platform but it's certainly on uh, tiktok as well that's that's where the action is these days in terms of a lot of people are watching the uh you know the content there and it's also you know very easy to go viral uh especially with like younger people which is you know, perfect for if we want to spread to more and more people because they they might be more open minded, right? So I think that's uh, that that's that's really great if we can get something going there. Okay, so let's uh, start with the price that we check in on uh, every single week. So this week the price has gone up a bit. It's uh, three hundred and thirty three dollars and twelve cents uh, USD for Bitcoin Cash today. So one BTC buys about 127 BCH. So BCH has increased against um, the dollar, you know, uh, everybody who was buying the dip and who was ignoring my warnings about a bear market, you (laughs) are doing well. If you were panicked by me warning a bear market, (laughs) sorry, because so far it hasn't worked out, Um, but it's roughly stable against uh, Bitcoin. So that's kind of good to see. Um, you know, we're, we're still, uh, you know, moving along with the, the rest of the crypto markets. If things are going up, we're going up too. So that's excellent. Do you watch the Bitcoin cash uh, price a lot, Daisy? Or do you just focus on actually using the currency, spending it or news in the, in the community? I don't mind about the Bitcoin cash price. I mind about the smart message token price. <laughs> Yeah, so like uh, I guess yeah, you you follow a lot of the tokens though, right? Like on marketcap.cash. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> why 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 do they grab your interest uh, more than the the main price? Like, uh, are you interested in the price? For instance, like you can see on the screenshot here, we've got the FTX token, Algorand, Uniswap. You know, obviously there's like hundreds of all these other. Uh, cryptocurrencies as well too do you track them or do you invest in them too or do you just do bitcoin cash and just the like uh, all the smart bch tokens what did you say again <laughs> yeah so did you do did you like i know you uh invest in like bch and the market cap uh you know dot cash tokens right but what about yeah. all the other cryptocurrencies what about uniswap or tron litecoin Bitcoin, Binance, uh, Smart Chain, do you invest or in those ones or do you just focus on Bitcoin Cash? I have tried uh, less 2017 Bitcoin. Yeah. I don't Did... like it because of its high fees. And I tried the uh, Binance Smart Chain too. But some of the tokens starts come. Yeah. I, yeah. 
if the yeah, fees are high, you can't really use yeah. it, right? So yeah. that's that's pretty critical, and that's a key aspect, obviously, to the Bitcoin Cash uh, strategy is having low fees so that it can be more accessible to everyone in the world. Because at the end of the day, you had nobody really cares if your currency costs two dollars or five dollars to send it. Well, you're just gonna <laughs> gonna skip straight past it, right? Um, so yeah, even though I think we're ranking, you know, down at the moment, we're down at, at 26, I'm still very, very confident that we have one of the most easy to use, uh, accessible networks. Uh, so it's, it's, it's great to hear, um, that that's, you know, that's one of the things that's, that's helpful to you and to other new early adopters, because, uh, it's less important how big your community is and more important how much it can grow, right? Cause the, the more it grows, obviously, the the more useful it becomes, and the the better the price is uh, in the long in the long run. Anyway, okay, mm-hmm. cool. So then we've got the transactions uh, <laughs> uh, today. It's uh, been about fifty thousand uh, transactions per day. Uh, it's been creeping up a little bit. Uh, so it seems like the start of a, a new year is. Uh, and momentum has been building from uh, January into February for BCH. So I'm, uh, I'm loving that. And we've seen recently a lot of adoption in St. Kitts and now apparently St. Martin's. And it seems like maybe that is being reflected uh, because even if you have a very small uh, community there, once it sort of starts to catch on, if those people are actually using it every single day, they're not just... Uh, buying some and sitting it in their, um, you know, in their wallet and hoping to get rich. If they actually can see, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a loaf of bread, and then that person, that merchant, then takes it to the next shop and they buy their milk, and then that person takes it to the next shop and they buy their bicycle parts or whatever. Then you really get a, a flowing economy. So even a small number of people, if they all are making one or two or three transactions per day in a real economy, it will add up um, quickly. So you know, there's maybe a sign that that we'll see more of that over the over the over the coming couple of weeks. But uh, it all it all sort of does remain to uh, remain to be seen. But yeah, Daisy, I don't know. Do you follow these uh, transactions? Obviously, I talk about them every uh, week on the on the show. Are you interested in the stats for the blockchains? And uh, do you have a particular stats that you that you look at, uh, like the price of the fees or the transactions? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Like that's 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 kind of that's that's fine too, right? It, it's not uh, necessary to follow any of these uh, stuff. And all the guests that we have on the show sometimes they have different uh, takes, right? Like uh, for instance, I think of Joel when we had him on to to talk about it. He had some analysis that was based on, oh, okay, you've got to look at the patterns in in certain things, but you can't really focus on the exact numbers. We have some guests that love it. And in fact, probably I should have a guest at some point that does, uh, you know, a lot of blockchain analysis, right? There's people who get really into the details of uh, all the all the specifics and they think that their on-chain analytics, you know, tells them <laughs> what's going to go up and go down and they have all their... Um, 
you know, ideas. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's usually just the transactions and the cent in USD that, that I like to follow. But I do mix in uh, every once in a while on this show some of the other um, stats too uh, when they're when they're relevant. But I think those two combined with the price are, are good ones to follow um, week to week. So we've got here then the cent in USD, uh, and I need to actually update the slide. I forgot to change the title on this one, but I was going to change it to our whale uh, came back. Um, we had this uh, whale that was doing a couple billion in cent USD uh, volume for the uh, last, um, you know, the last year or so, and had just dropped out in December for a couple of days, and then we've seen that in February uh, and in late January it sort of dropped out again. So the the volume dropped off from being, you know, in four billion a day range to down to a couple hundred million. Uh, and we talked last on the last episode about whether or not that big whale that was moving around millions of dollars had just abandoned BCH or it's, it's hard to know whether it's a large exchange or kind of what is happening. Um, but it seems that the whale hasn't gone. They were just taking a break. They were just asleep uh, and they've come back because the volume has once again spiked up and then dropped off again. So I really don't have any uh, theories about that. Uh, I, you know, I think maybe it could be an exchange and maybe it could be related to Binance, uh, which we're going to talk about uh, in a minute. But I don't know, Daisy, do you have any theories who would be moving around billions of dollars of Bitcoin cash every day? And why would they have stopped recently? Do you have any uh, guesses? What is this again, Jamie? So the with with the amount of money that moves across the network, right? On this uh, graph, we can see that there's somebody is sending like two or three billion dollars of Bitcoin Cash every single day, right? But then they stopped recently, and they for for a couple of weeks, the amount of money sent has been much, much, much smaller, and now they've come back. And they sent, if you look at the bottom right, it's a bit hard to see on the graph, but you can see the red line at the bottom. It's kind of peaked up again uh, there. Do you have any ideas or any guesses as to who it might be? Who is this super rich person that is sending around billions of dollars of Bitcoin cash? You don't know either. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a mystery, right? Yeah. And I'm hoping yeah. that, like, I'm hoping that at some stage we get somebody will either announce, you know, maybe a big company, right? Like an exchange uh, might come out and say, "Hey, guys, you know, we've been doing the all these transfers yeah. in Bitcoin Cash," or I don't know. It could be, <laughs> it could be a celebrity that is just buying into mm-hmm. Bitcoin Cash that we haven't heard from could be a lot of things right it's it's kind of hard to see ceo yeah exactly could be you know and there's a lot of the ceos in crypto who have founded crypto companies a lot of them are very uh friendly to bch right like coinbase has brian armstrong for instance or um you know jesse powell who runs kraken uh 
some of these, you know, very early adopters, they really liked Bitcoin Cash because they were remember the early days of Bitcoin. And so when it split into Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, they agreed that the fees should be low. And so even if their business kind of relied on them, you know, supporting all the different coins uh, for the sake of their their company, but they do have a special place in their heart for Bitcoin Cash. You know, they do think it's it's special, right? Um, so yeah it could easily be be one of them jet were you gonna jump in there yeah so uh before we got to the slide i wanted to say daisy you have a fan in the chat amazing world o2 says they came here for daisy uh so hello and richard thanks for coming back perfect uh but i would i would imagine this is an exchange to be honest like uh maybe someone paying employees if they are a company uh, but this, uh, I would imagine, like this is probably just could it could also just be metric gaming, uh, and maybe they got bored. <laughs> maybe they took a vacation. Who knows? Well, we do follow it every week, and that was something that Joel said too, which is, uh, look, if the uh, if the metric is being analyzed by a lot of people, then that creates an incentive for somebody to come along and and uh mess around with the the numbers and this does seem i would say pretty clearly to be literally just you know one central source because otherwise you wouldn't see this these very noticeable patterns where it uh, drops out because otherwise you would see you know uh, one part of it would drop out but somebody else would would start things up right um and so because it isn't distributed it, it does seem like somebody but it doesn't seem like they have a uh, agenda you know against bch because it's not like it correlates with the price crashing either so whoever it is they've got a lot of money but they obviously have a lot invested in in bch to have so much to move around but they also don't seem to be you know switching it on and then pumping up the price or switching it off and then and then crashing the price so i think yeah we've just kind of got to uh got to wait and see Okay, so first uh, news item of the day is that the U.S. debt uh, has now surpassed more than $30 trillion. So (laughs) Chet's given the fist pump there. So the United States dollar and, uh, of course, current global reserve currency is busy hyperinflating away at an enormous rate so they're just printing out more dollars every day to everyone so it should be no surprise that the world is starting to clue in and starting to get more and more excited about cryptocurrency and more and more aware that their money is losing value right so you have tons of people flooding into the stock market some people are going into precious metal some people are going into real estate the prices of uh, houses uh, all around the world is going crazy as well as uh, commercial real estate and obviously crypto as well too you know the more dollars there are in circulation supply and demand the less the uh, value of it is going to be so uh, I've certainly uh, noticed myself in the last, uh, you know, couple of months that the the price of food has been going up in the 
UK and uh, the where now you know the government is acknowledging sort of record inflation with uh, 7.5 percent year over year um, inflation now recorded in the US. Uh, I would say it's probably higher than that. I think the government definitely <laughs> under reports. Um, so that's certainly going to be a part of it. Um, but even according to their own metrics, it is far, far higher than than normal and probably likely to keep getting higher. Are you seeing uh, problems with inflation in the, the Philippines, Daisy? Are you noticing the, the price of things increasing? No. I don't know about it. Yeah. You don't know? Like, uh, if, is, is milk getting more expensive? Is bread getting more expensive? Uh, you know, uh, shops, are they increasing their, their prices because there's so much uh, new money being, being printed? It's on rice. Uh, yeah, everything here is expensive now. Yeah. And do you, do you think people in the Philippines have a strong sense of that? Do they understand? Do they realize that the government's uh, money is, you know, going down in value and that they should, you know, be interested in, in cryptocurrencies? Not everyone knows about it. Not everyone knows about it. So... Yeah. <laughs> so they you know they just think it's a, a natural process right i think that's that's yeah. kind of what happens uh in all different yeah like i think it's uh, kind of interesting to me that uh you know all around the world you have people just kind of accept it's like the weather they think that uh, the prices of things just go up and they think it's like some magical thing in the universe that just naturally happens like the sun comes out and the prices just go up and that's just nature uh but of course it's not it's all a human created system cool well i guess uh that's just a warning to everybody then that they should uh think uh think carefully about the fresh supply of dollars that is always uh streaming out into the world because there'll be more and more of them uh, being printed. So, I mean, crypto is up this week, but even in weeks when it's down, I think it's very uh, easy for people to <laughs> think to themselves, oh, wow, uh, you know, there's so many dollars being printed. So uh, cryptocurrency might, might truly be, be, a better, be a better system. All right, next thing we've got here is possibly related to this uh, discussion we were just having uh, about the uh, billions of dollars being sent around on the network, which is the largest, uh, most popular crypto exchange, Binance, have disabled their withdrawals for BCH. I think they're back on now, but this week they switched off bch uh and it is bch only which is uh kind of uh indicative you know they didn't switch off bitcoin bdc they didn't switch off litecoin or ethereum or any of these other coins it wasn't related to technical maintenance uh at least as far as we know or there wasn't problems on the bitcoin cash network you know for other exchanges or in general so it seems like Binance specifically might just be 
running out of, of Bitcoin cash, right? Maybe people are trying to withdraw their coins and they simply don't have them, which is why it's really important for everybody to hold on to their own private keys. Like I talk about on this show a lot, you know, not your keys, not your coins is kind of the key motto. So uh, everybody should, should withdraw off those uh, exchanges. But this has happened before. It's happened a couple of times uh, and it seems to be becoming a, a bit of a pattern. And now with smart BCH burning uh, coins so that there is less coins in circulation, it sort of raises questions about whether or not the exchanges actually do have the BCH that they claim that they have. And potentially if they are on exchanges, either running a fractional reserve where they don't have those coins or whether they're lending out their coins to people to short the price of, of BCH. So some people have this theory that the price of BCH has done kind of poorly over the last couple of years relative to the rest of the crypto market. And one explanation, uh, even though BCH has a lot of adoption and a lot of fans, so one thing that could explain it is if a lot of people are trying to sh borrow Bitcoin cash uh, and then sell it and hope that when the price goes down, they can rebuy it uh, to make a profit. So that's called shorting. And uh, this kind of indicators from the exchanges shows that maybe maybe there is uh, some evidence of this. Uh, so we've seen, you know, throughout the history of this show, like from the second episode, uh, we talked about the short squeeze in GameStop and the price of their stock uh, rocketing up because after too many people have loaned out an asset, if the price moves against them, then they have to kind of pile back in to repay their loan. And then that can uh, compound on itself and send the price uh, rocketing up really fast. So that might have been what happened last year in May of 2021, uh, where the price in Bitcoin Cash moved up from $500 at the start of April up to $1,500. So it tripled. Uh, against all the other cryptocurrencies, against all the fiat currencies in the space of about two months. Um, so, yeah, it's very important for people to hold their own coins. I want to reinforce uh, that message. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, Daisy, have you seen, do you, like you said, you traded uh, Binance uh, uh, coins before. Do you use Binance, uh, the exchange? I use SafePal Binance and think, Trust Wallet. Yeah, and Trust Wallet. Yeah. Okay, I've never used uh, Trust Wallet. I should actually look into it. Do you recommend it? Is it a good wallet? Yeah. It's right. a non-custodial wallet. <laughs> yeah, it's important to have a non-custodial wallet, right? And yeah. I think that's a really key aspect of BCH that yeah. it's really good to hear that we're getting the message uh, to new adopters. And I know you uh, explain about that in your TikToks as well, right? Because people who have uh, a non-custodial wallet, like you can't have your money <laughs> taken away from you. And yeah. 
Okay. So yeah, I think it's uh <laughs> it's important it's important to uh look after your your coins yourself and especially for newer adopters, yeah. you know, they don't always get those messages. Uh if they maybe they like Binance, for instance, and all they come in, they buy all these different coins and they don't realize, they don't understand how cryptocurrency works and how to take uh take control of that uh themselves. So it's really great, you know, the way that you promote that to to people as well. Too, it's a really, really important message. Yeah, yeah. Binance has also been yeah a, a very useful wallet, and they've onboarded a huge amount of uh, people. I think because they simply just made it easy for people to get involved in in crypto. And I know that when I went to the uh, crypto meetups that I went to a few uh, months ago I was surprised at how many people there they didn't have a wallet on their phone like the bitcoin.com wallet or maybe like trust wallet or maybe you know like there's various other options um, for different currencies they didn't know any of those wallets all they had was was Binance because that's just what they're used to using and there was a story recently by Vitalik Buterin the founder or co-founder of Ethereum and he went to mm -hmm. uh, Argentina to see what cryptocurrencies they were using there. And he found that they just all used Binance. So they just traded around their coins, uh, their actual local US dollars uh, or Argentinian pesos were just less useful than Binance. So they were just switching out of the government system <laughs> into Binance, right? Um, yeah, let's see what people are yeah have you been seeing a lot of people in in the philippines do they use binance as well is that one of the most popular yeah yeah why why do you think I... that is is it because like is it the the fees do they have a, you know is it the low fees is it because they have a good marketing campaign yeah i guess yeah, they, they, they uh, because they're high up, I think, on coin market cap, there's Binance Smart mm -hmm. Chain is, you know, ranked in the top few coins. I think people also, uh, it's easy for them to get, get excited about that as well, too. Okay. Yeah, and... I made a video before uh, the differentiate between uh, non-costogenes and schedule wide on YouTube channel, maybe two months ago or from this. Uh-huh. And was it well received? Did a lot of people really uh, enjoy that content? Yeah, no, I guess. no, but I'm not a popular YouTuber. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's you know that's a problem that we have as a community is trying to figure out how to get that message to more and more and more yeah. uh, people, right? And because it is quite uh, in detail, it's hard to. Uh, get a, a complicated message across like that you know in a very <laughs> short short summary that that people that people want to watch so I mean I do it on this uh, podcast which is a more long form thing so people can uh, listen along you know step by step um, but it's uh, yeah you know it's in, in especially in like a short medium like a TikTok it's got to be very catchy right and very attention yeah. grabbing to people you need to minimize your video up to five minutes to maximum for yeah. tiktok 
Uh-huh. And probably even shorter, right? A lot of the time it's like five seconds or or 20 seconds, mm-hmm. right? So yes. how do you, how do you get people's attention uh, when there's so much competition of just short clips coming at them? Just uh, dancing and putting some text about Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, I've seen a lot of your content uh, has, yeah, it's very like, uh, there's a lot of really cool uh, dances and, and stuff uh and i think that's that's become that's like a, a trend on tiktok right i mean i'm probably sound like an idiot because i don't i have never really used tiktok i used it for one day i thought you know what i want to see what the hype is all about so i loaded it up and i immediately i had all these people just <laughs> dancing on my <laughs> on my phone you know uh so it's it's certainly uh really popular but i didn't also understand there's certain like uh, ways that you can cut together clips, right? Of uh, one person will make like half a clip and then somebody else will put in their half of it. So they're doing like a synchronized dance or a song or yeah, the mm-hmm. lyrics to a, like a sort of a conversation yeah. or, or those kind of things. How do you follow those uh, trends and, and pick up on, on them? Scrolling my TikTok and then I try it. So you just, think, you just, yeah, go on. Yeah, uh, I think it's fair if you use TikTok like there because you can pay some attention. Let the piece are there. Mm. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know actually what the numbers are, but. You, yeah, you, uh, I think you have to reach 1,000 followers to be able to use the live for TikTok. Yeah, so once you hit a thousand uh, followers, you can go live, and do people yeah. respond more to the live stream because people like yeah. instant? You know, they like live, right? Yeah, they like live. Those live streams also get promoted. So if you're just scrolling TikTok, there's a good chance that the live stream is just going to show up on your feed, even if you're not remotely interested in whatever is on the live stream. Um, just like and and. I've seen I've seen live streams go from like you know two follower or two viewers to over six hundred in like thirty seconds because the algorithm just like sends it out there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, hopefully we can get a few more BCH kind of uh, live streams going. Then I don't know, maybe uh, Jet, maybe you and I have got to try and uh, learn some lessons from Daisy and then uh, load it up and try and see if we can uh, maybe, well, maybe we can do a collaboration. Maybe you can teach us a dance and then we'll try and do the dance <laughs> uh, for TikTok, you know. With the... you, can, you can use my account because I made an account for Bitcoin Cash. You can use it for like Oh, wow. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's, how can we turn that down? You know, we've already got the, the groundwork established, uh, the, the, that already has the, the live, uh, the live threshold of, uh, viewers and stuff. So I don't know, Jet, you, are you, you good dancer, mate? Are we going to be able to, I was on, (laughs) we'll do live dances. Yeah. Uh, I was on TikTok for like two months and the, majority of the crypto TikToks that I found, like um, 
there was one guy that I, I got into an argument with, and I think it was probably like my most engaged with TikTok. Uh, and he was like, it was just like a focus up on a, a chart, of course. And it was like, look at this, boys. You got to get in now. We're going to, we're all going to be rich. We're all going to make it. And um, oh, I think it was uh, Evergrow token or something like that. It was on the Binance chain. Um, and I remember I stitched it, which like I'm a zoomer, right? But oh my God, did I feel like a Luddite trying to, uh, to <laughs> use TikTok? And I was like, okay, essentially like remind me of this in two weeks when it goes to nothing, buddy. And he got so mad and we had this back and forth. And I was like, I, I just remember being like, yeah, but this is like, there's a fundamental difference. And I think you're missing the point. It's not about number go up. It is about having, you know, a peer-to-peer censorship-resistant form of digital cash. And, like, number go up is pretty nice, because I think he's only, like, 16 or 17, and it's great that they're getting into crypto. And you can lose everything at that age, and, like, what? (laughs) You're risking nothing, essentially. Um, But, yeah, it was not... I don't like the tiktok space especially like crypto twitter can be toxic but crypto tiktok is like it's that toxic positivity where it's like we can do no wrong we are all awesome buy my scam tokens (laughs) it's good to see i know cheap lightning you know recently made um a tiktok account uh i cannot remember the name of it of course i feel like a bad person right now but I add it to the chat or in the description or something if I can find it. Um, and it's good to see more just BCH memes coming out. I think TikTok is the way to get the Zoomers in, and we know they're there. Yeah, I think uh, whatever we can we can do to sort of hit onto that uh, market. I mean, I haven't really made any uh, sudden moves in there uh myself and yeah i tried to use it for one day and i mean sort of similar to you i was just quite confused about it really it didn't uh intuitively make a lot of sense to me but uh clearly that algorithm knows you know how to spread out things even more than you know you can go viral on youtube or on twitter or whatever uh if you have some you know super relevant or super funny comment or whatever but uh tiktok is just the the, the next level of that uh, i think so certainly a way that uh, as a small community if we can create uh you know one just one or two little things and just get them right obviously we have to you know try lots of lots of different things but if you just get you know kind of lucky one time where the algorithm gets it or it gets to a pool of people who are really interested then it doesn't matter, you know, if we're a small crypto community versus like a Bitcoin could be a much larger community, but the reach of these platforms, especially TikTok is so enormous that uh, any, any size of community can suddenly be having a huge impact. Um, So, yeah, I think it's really important that we keep uh, plugging away on those channels and, and try and try and go viral. Right. It's as, it's as simple as that, I guess. (laughs) That's, that's, that's the dream, you know? 
So with these uh, stats, I just want to uh, bring it back a, a little bit and just uh, kind of finish off uh, this uh, one point here. So uh, obviously uh, I was talking about the short squeezing before and one really interesting uh, element to that is that the uh, shout out to Omar uh, in the BCH community. He did a little bit of digging and he found that Bitcoin Cash has had their rates uh, that are paid for people borrowing Bitcoin Cash uh, have been increasing on on Gemini, which is one of the largest exchanges that's invested in by the Winklevoss uh, twins who were involved in the early days of Facebook and also were involved in the early days of Bitcoin. They bought, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of Bitcoins in uh, 2013, 2014. And then they set up this exchange. And on this exchange, Bitcoin Cash has moved up in the last year from 4.5% to 5.12%. So the percentage is going up because more and more people are wanting to borrow BCH and less and less people are uh, offering it. But the opposite has happened for Bitcoin, BTC, which has gone from 3% down to 1%, Ethereum 3% down to 1.2%, and Litecoin from 5% to 1.5%. So all the other major coins are going down, which makes sense because there's money to be made. So people are coming in and lending out their coins. But Bitcoin Cash is unique, at least on this metric, uh, that it, you know, however many people are coming in to borrow is more than the people coming in to supply uh, that coin. So that could be a very good sign for the demand for for bitcoin cash that the people who are holding it are not willing to lend it out at low rates uh they're not kind of willing to risk it or that a lot of people want to short bitcoin cash but they're not they're not finding the liquidity and they're having to pay more and more and more to try and keep keep the price of uh bitcoin cash sort of suppressed so yeah i don't know uh whether we will see another kind of short squeeze moment like we possibly did uh at the end of last year but uh you know certainly the the potential is there in the in the uh market it seems as far as the liquidity goes all right so next thing then we've got the uh gofundme story from this week which has been huge it's not even specifically really a crypto uh, story, but it is tangentially quite related. So the Canadian truckers who have been protesting in Canada against the government, they had $10 million in donations on this uh, kind of crowdfunding platform called GoFundMe. Uh, but the Ottawa government uh, and the national government as well too, I believe, of Canada came in and sort of uh, put some pressure on this sending platform who i guess generally would be happy because the more they're crowdfunding people you know the more people using their service the better they should be enjoying it but uh, instead the government has come in and put in sort of perverse incentives and basically told them to shut it down and to cut off people trying to donate to the truckers uh, so what they first did was they said that they were going to take all the money, this you know, $10 million that had been donated, and they were going to give it to approved charities. And that, of course, brings up question about who are the approved charities and who gets to decide. And it was sort of like 
So you're going to steal, <laughs> effectively just straight up steal $10 million from people who donated for one cause and just give it to a completely different cause, you know, and who gets to decide that. And, you know, that's a disaster. So of course they had that initial pressure, but then there was a lot of public backlash because everybody said, look, we donated $10 million and you're just taking it away. So they then said uh, that they would later uh, just refund they sort of changed their minds about how it was going to be distributed a couple of times. And then eventually they just, as more and more people were complaining, uh, they said, look, you can request your money back if you didn't like it. And then so many people were doing that, that they finally said, all right, look, we'll just send back everybody (laughs) their money. Right. So uh, I don't really think it was that people were asking for refunds because yeah, that's not great for them. But the real, like, oh, the real push, I think, was people going, you know what? Just uh, fuck you, GoFundMe. I'm charging, or I'm filing a charge back. Uh, I don't just want my money. Uh, I want you to get hurt. Like, so the the, the uh, idea with the charge back, as far as I'm aware, is that the more, like, there's only a threshold amount of chargebacks an account with these credit providers can take and then the account gets shut down. Uh, So I think they were trying to cover their ass. Yeah. I did see people encouraging people who had donated to also, yeah, sort of participate in this kind of mass activism and just, uh, yeah, uh, charge back their, their money. And in that way, uh, yeah, at the very least cause a lot of grief uh, for the, uh, GoFundMe because if you're getting a refund via their platform, presumably they have a system for doing that. But yeah, if they're getting a load of requests into their bank, then it's going to make the bank annoyed with them. And then, you know, the bank obviously has more leverage uh, with them to to create uh, a response. So anyway, as it kind of happened, uh, they, they decided, look, that they would just sort of give back everyone's money. I think that process started and it became a big uh point for you know on in the crypto scene everybody to say look haha like this is what we've been trying to tell you guys this whole time censorship resistant money is really important and also just being global because obviously people were donating uh from all around the world to uh to the truckers right and it obviously ideologically it aligns very well sort of freedom and liberty kind of base so all of it uh ties together so then what happened was uh well they raised there was a bit of a bch uh flip starter that ran and got funded so that's cool 100 bch uh will be getting through to the truckers in that way there was also a btc flip starter uh, not flip starter but a btc crowdfunding uh and some people got their got their money that way um uh probably undoubtedly in other crypto communities there was too, but the truckers kind of made a big mistake where they'd done their uh, GoFundMe and they'd got 10 million. (laughs) So they tried a, uh, another platform. They tried uh, one called give, send, go, and they got four or $5 million in donations on that one. And then that also got (laughs) got shut down (laughs) by the government. Hang on. So that didn't get shut down. I thought it did. There, was there? 
Yeah. Yeah. So so there was a, I believe the court of Ontario, or maybe it was like a provincial order from Ford himself, but it was something to do with Ontario. They they said like any funds that would be going to these uh, occupants uh, would be seized, and then Give Send Go clapped back with, "We're not in Canada." You have no jurisdiction over us. That was the end of it. Now, um, TD Bank did take, I think it's like 1.2 million from uh, the money that GoFundMe sent of the overall like 10 million or whatever it was, because uh, that was already in the organizer's bank accounts. So uh, GoFundMe, you know, tried to steal. Ended up backing down. The court tried to steal from Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go said, uh, take a long hike. Uh, TD Bank was like, absolutely, no problem. We'll steal your money. It's clearly uh, just been a disaster on on every front, though, uh, basically. And it does just you know highlight why do we have all these systems? Why don't we just you know, with people just send Bitcoin cash to each other, it takes five seconds and it's instant and nobody's can shut it down and nobody can charge it back. And, you know, it's just really not a problem at all. So this is a huge opportunity uh, for crypto and anybody who is in Canada, knows people in Canada, is related to these uh, things. Or if you want to donate to these efforts in in various ways have a have a look around i mean maybe a good place to start is this uh flip starter that that uh, did already successfully run maybe if anybody is interested in uh following up with that they should uh look look there i'm sure there's contact details and and stuff i i'm yeah not super super involved in all that but it does really you know go to show that millions of people who are involved in these kind of protests and so on are going to be getting the idea like we need a solution to this problem right cryptocurrency has struggled with having a mass marketed reason that that all this (laughs) cryptocurrency uh, is important and and getting people interested uh, at scale so i don't know daisy do you have any uh, thoughts about this did you have you been watching the the protesting in in canada and uh are you interested in you know their their struggles or whether or not they're using uh, cryptocurrency i haven't watched the video yet yeah uh what about but has it been you know uh, breaking news in the in the philippines as for the the canadian truckers like uh has that been a big story on the local news i don't know yeah you don't watch the news neither do i (laughs) yeah i'm boxing a telegram yeah (laughs) yeah exactly well that's one yeah that's right on telegram it has been it has been huge actually there's been uh, a lot of discussion and and chatter about it i think in in various uh, channels too so it's just interesting to see you know the larger sort of media outlets they have less and less control over the the narrative of what is going on because more and more people are just you know finding their information out 
sort of peer-to-peer or, or in different channels, right? Yeah. I hate to keep jumping in, but... No, get in there. <laughs> oh, man. This, I've been, like, so into this. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting was uh, CTV and CD, uh, uh, CBC, sorry, um, have... A wide. That's the. Hang on, just to clarify for the listeners, that's the major Canadian TV mainstream broadcast channels, right? Right. Uh, if I am recalling things correctly, CBC is partially government funded. It's not completely, but uh, they have a large backing from taxpayer dollars. Um, but I, the CTV st- specifically, uh, they have a tweet out that's from one of their journalists that was like, uh, what it's like to be a journalist today. We were given the orders to remove all of the markings from our cars because we feel targeted. And then I know David <sighs> starts with an M. He's um, a reporter for Rebel News. I can't remember his last name, but he was on the ground on the Windsor Ambassador Bridge um, and he was saying that he found it really interesting the protesters had cast all of the mainstream media to the sides. And they were like, you can take your pictures, but you do it from afar. Um, but the amount of like just protesters that were streaming or people that like grew up in the area or lived in the area that were streaming. And then, of course, Rebel News was there. It was like every there was like this uh, almost excitement that the independent media had had they have the narrative like uh and it's it's interesting too you can kind of see npcs online where it's like the media will put out a tweet or you know let's call it what it is the cathedral puts out a tweet and uh it it starts getting you know repeated and spread and then i i've spent a good chunk of today just linking to these live streams and being like yeah we can see it though like you can't just bullshit us we have the whole protest the past 16 days documented on hours of footage from tens of different, if not hundreds of different cameras. What are you talking about? So it's, I think it's a good change. We'll see things. Uh, well, distrust is already there. And it, it wasn't there, I don't think, in Canada as much as it is now. So I'm interested in that unfortunately i think it's i think it is unfortunate that we've come to this but it's about goddamn time yeah and i think it's it's funny that you know it all sort of started with the whole trudeau saying it's just a fringe you know minority and sort of trying to gaslight the whole population he's still doing it from what i can see any clips that i see of him in parliament and stuff like that he's still just trying to say like Oh, it's these really unreasonable to people. And when you watch the, you know, little clips of the back and forth, it's kind of bizarre because the opposition is saying to him, mate, there's, you know, there's thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of people literally involved in this right now. Uh, and you are the prime minister or the, you know, you're the head of the government and whatever can you tell us what you're going to do about it you can't just i mean just you can dodge the question you can say nothing's happening where you can try and sort of slander them or or whatever but that's millions of people in your own country that are just like 
we're not being heard, we're not being represented. And all, of course, those people have their, you know, their friends and family and their, you know, local networks. So that that information is just, and that discontent is just spreading out sort of to more and more uh, people, you know. And yeah, I think that's kind of happening a bit around the, the globe. I mean, Canada is definitely the centre of it. Uh, right now but the same thing is happening in in Canberra in Australia at the moment where there's literally just enormous crowds like on those on the lawns at Parliament House and you know here there and everywhere uh, that are just not being even really acknowledged Uh, but if you sort of open your eyes if you go and look for the information it, it is being put out there it's just not being put out there by the the centralized uh media so it's it's truly a a world where people are learning because once they've yeah uh yeah sure daisy yeah if if they you know need to um find this uh information you know about what's going on in the world once they've been lied to or you know lied by a mission basically um then you know sooner or later they start to realize <laughs> I've got to, I've got to get this information somewhere else. Right. I'm not being told the full story. And I think that's kind of a one way journey, right? You have a lot of people that are bought into the media narrative, uh, but once they learn or they realize that the the wool is being pulled over their eyes, it, it's hard for them to go back the other way, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think so. The Windsor Ambassador Bridge was like the clutch for today. And it was very interesting because I was up until like fucking four or five in the morning watching this because they were like emergency orders go in or the injunction goes into effect at 7 p.m. yesterday. The emergency order goes into effect at midnight, which is funny. There's already like the COVID emergency order and then a provincial emergency order. And now there's this pro. How many fucking emergency orders do we need? Um and by the time I went to bed, it was just people around uh, like a metal, like an old oil barrel or something, burning firewood and having a couple beers in the middle of the intersection. And they were surrounded by police. Uh, and they were just, everyone's chill, no problem. And I expected that when I went to bed, I'd wake up and see like, you know, bullets fired. Uh, but no, I woke up and nothing happened like the crowd had gotten larger and then there was another like 300 people that showed up later in the day and still nothing's happened um and i'm curious what trudeau is trying to do for the optics like what what options does he have because like so first off i don't think the opposition's to be trusted because they've been all about like Sheer got kicked out, right? Because he was also pro-vaccine mandate. So the Conservative Party is having a little implosion right now. And then Candace, their interim leader, I think, has said, like, you know, protesters, we hear you go home. Trudeau has finally said, protesters, we hear you go home, despite the fact that he hasn't talked to anyone. I don't know how he's heard anyone, but whatever. And then, um, and then the, on the liberal side of things, like, their party within their own party they're like trudeau you're you're causing a lot of division right now escalate like tensions are escalating what what can you do and then then the bloc quebecois isn't really a fan anyway so they're hopping off the opportunity to you know talk uh shit about trudeau and it's like what do what are you gonna do man 
So the last I checked, and I haven't I haven't been paying too much attention today because of the stream and whatnot, but um, there there were I don't know if you saw this. There were snipers around the uh, convoy on the Ambassador Bridge. Uh, there were a bunch of OPP, the Ontario Police. Um, I think there were a couple RCMP, and then there were military-style police. And I thought it was very interesting. Uh, one of the streams that I was watching, uh, the guy was like right, like I don't know, two feet away from the cops, and he's like just having a conversation with two of them. They seemed pretty friendly. And uh, he's like, oh my god, is that the military? And the cop was like, no, they're not military. They just look like it. And that, plus the snipers, it's like... And then there was talk of tear gas, but literally nothing has happened. There has been zero arrests as of four hours ago, except for, I think, a counter-protester who was incredibly drunk. And then there have been two protesters hit by cars. Uh, the first one, like, was a outspoken uh, Antifa and also... God, I'm not going to get into this. We're on YouTube and stuff, but you can check out, I think his name's David, uh, David Zazrak or something. If you search David hits protester, I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really, it's so weird to see people being like, these are violent terrorists when they have concerts. There was a native woman who went on to the stage in downtown Ottawa after Brian Peckman did a speech. Brian Peckman is one of the older premieres of Newfoundland and Labrador, um, and the only living signer of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms of Canada left. He had a speech supporting the convoy today, and then yeah, immediately after, a um, First Nations lady went up and played a song and dedicated it to the uh, the kids that were found in the residential schools, or the kids' bodies and graves, I should say. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's, man, everyone's flying Canadian flags. They've got hot tubs and music and dancing. And it just seems like such a good, it seems like a party, man. Like, everyone seems to be having fun. The cops were like, it's, it's now a crime to give fuel to the truckers. So everyone was carrying around empty jerry cans or jerry cans with piss or <laughs> jerry cans with uh, water to, you know, just feed people. And, uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's getting so spicy. <laughs> well, it just seems like there's, there's going to be a, a, a breaking point, right? Like, are we going to actually see, you know, the Canadian government, essentially at some point, the protesters haven't, haven't been violent at all. Essentially at some point, the, the, the government is going to be the one to, to pull the, pull the trigger. Right. And that would really be a Literally. case of like, what would happen if they, yeah, if they do shoot a protester or something surely that is something that the mainstream canadian media sort of cannot ignore or which the sort of you know the uprising kind of voices will just hit fever pitch as it just word to word people are like the government is shooting people like once that's an undeniable fact you know it's 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 kind of you know about as out of control as it can kind of get right yeah um so yeah i don't know I mean, I guess we'll wait and see uh, what kind of ends up happening uh, with that. But I think this is where we can look towards like Michael Malice and his, you know, great insights. And it, it, I, I retweeted one today. Uh, he was on Glenn Beck, I think, which I'm, 
I don't normally watch Glenn Beck. <laughs> Not my kind of guy. But um, they had men- he had mentions like uh, every time the state has to use violence because it's so costly, it ends up being beneficial to the people in the long run because. Uh, people that are not necessarily aligned with a political side or are apolitical or whatever uh, can look at this and be like, oh, that's obviously wrong. Uh, and it's uh, just a resource-intensive move. Uh, these officers are being paid, you know, overtime to be here and work, you know, 24 hours. So something's going to happen. It's been, you know, 16 days uh, and both sides are exhausted yeah and i think it really sort of comes to the point as well too that at a certain point the actual you know police and the military themselves decide they don't want to be uh uh part of it right that they if they are in that you know scenario and they are willing to you know defect or to stop enforcing you know the the kind of uh, political will if they can clearly see look the people disagree and we're being given orders by the government that just democratically are not valid right yeah um so the the police interestingly enough do not have a vaccine mandate at least the the opp doesn't um there is a uh military officer that is in new brunswick uh but i think is currently in Gagetown. town uh, essentially a military town in New Brunswick. And he put out a video either yesterday or the day before, and he was like talking about how that he felt it was a violation and all this. And uh, that video is trying to be memory hold, but uh, and he's being investigated. <laughs> Hello. For the audio um, listeners, we've got some uh, special guests uh, joining the stream that we'll introduce in a second. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's see if they want to hop in. Hello, hello. Hey, guys. Hey, so we've got uh, special guests, uh, Matthias joining the stream and somebody whose name I don't know. Very enthusiastic. Her name is Alexa. Alexa. She's, uh, yeah, she's Daisy's daughter. And yeah, Alexa joining the stream too. So it's turning into it's turning into the party with the Canadian truckers and the party here too on the stream. You love to see it. The Bitcoin Cash community are always making it happen. We're getting some feedback there. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There we go. Now the feedback is gone. All right, I will. I'll pop out and let this continue. Uh, but yeah, uh, welcome to the stream. I don't know, uh, Matthias, you you live in Canada too a, a lot of the time, right? I don't know. Do you have a, a take about any? This is turning into the Canadian truckers uh, podcast, but it's 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 the most relevant thing that's going on, right? So, uh, well, it, yeah, I have a, I definitely have an opinion about everything that uh, that's that's going on. It's like. It's um, well to me the, the purpose convoy is not. It's just an enormous uh, group of various people that all want different things, right? There's the guy there that just wants to promote Bitcoin, so he makes more money. And there's probably some actual truckers there that are just annoyed at how much hoops they have to go through for no apparent reason. Um, a lot of it is just like 
politics at this at this point uh, in, into the into the pandemic. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating to see how how quickly the entire group of people was put away as just like being Nazis. Uh, and there are definitely some Nazis amongst them, but like, it's like the media just doesn't, doesn't want to deal with it. The media just wants to take, give the media a thousand people. They're just going to decide they're good guys. They're bad guys. No nuance, no nothing. And so, yeah, it's like the, what, what um, it's, it's just, it's horrible. How, how like, uh, journalism is just like completely dead. The media just decides what angle they want to give something, and then everybody goes for that. And then the right guys go for the opposite angle, and then you just you can never. F- the only way to figure out some truth or have a, a relevant discussion is to actually go there and talk with the people. <clears throat> exactly, and you need more and more people to understand this kind of filter that is being put over the information by the news sources that they're used to, right? Uh, because only once they understand and they see that will they start to sort of trust or look for those more direct sources, uh, like you're saying, because even if that information is being put out there, you know, on Twitter or on any different kind of social media, on Telegram, right, on various uh, platforms, if, you know, people are not used to consuming those sources of information or passing information that hasn't been all professionally packaged and conformed to a narrative, you know. Yeah, exactly. And but like the media only the mainstream media only cares about one thing, always getting as many people as angry as possible, because then they keep watching, they keep clicking the ads. And that's just how they make money. Angry people click more. And then but the the um, the end result then is that then like nobody trusts the mainstream media anymore, or hardly anybody trusts. But then they all fall a lot of times fall victims to all kinds of griffers that have all kinds of radio shows that call themselves alternative news media and then just like sell people products so it's like out of the frying pan into the fire kind of situation and there's really no like there are some there are some good alternatives once in a while i don't know if you guys ever watched that uh channel five guy um from the states andrew he he used to be called uh all gas no brakes uh, yeah, he's he's classic some of his videos. So okay, yeah, for yeah, viewers yeah. that don't know, it's this guy. He goes into uh, things like the pro- he's probably there at the <laughs> Canadian truckers. I don't know, but he goes to these kind of controversial events or or whatever. And his style of journalism is that he essentially asks very very open ended questions, and he lets the people just rant or say whatever, and then. I mean, I'm sure he sort of selects the funniest uh, clips and, and whatever that he puts into his compilation, but essentially by making it quite open-ended and un, you know, agenda. Yeah, but it's honest. It's yeah. it's honest. He just lets people talk. He doesn't spin. He doesn't say this is good or bad. He just, he selects for what's interesting, not for what makes adver- more advertisements, right? So it's a breath of fresh air, right? And I, okay, I mean... He's just trying to be entertaining, of course, but what he actually provides is has it, the news quality is, is much, much higher because you can just listen to somebody talk, some guy, whatever he's talking about, maybe he's rambling, maybe he's saying something of value, but at least you're just listening to somebody uh, share their perspective on, on things with like a, a big audience. The mainstream media doesn't hasn't done that in like what 50 years or something so 
so yeah hopefully we'll 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 see more of that like just like that kind of style and just like some some real journalism again it would, it would be great if we start seeing some journalists maybe that just get funded through cryptocurrency so they don't have to have an employer anymore they just be like okay well I, I'm an independent journalist, and now and I let my I let my the guys that give me money they get to decide where I go. All that kind of stuff is possible with cryptocurrency. Just have one guy and just you know have a decentralized uh, on, uh, autonomous organization built around it. Have the people that fund him vote where he should go next and keep him funded, and then we just get a, a source of news back. Hopefully that that might change the tie a little bit because like. A, you know, to try find relevant and truthful information these days. It's so hard. So hard. Yeah, there's so much uh, information. And yeah, shout out to all the gas, no breaks. People should definitely uh, look up that. Like you say, it's very, very interesting. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't make any commentary. He doesn't try and push any kind of angle. Sometimes you can see in his facial expressions, he tries to be pretty deadpan, but sometimes you can see in his eyes or in his, you know, smile or something if he thinks that things are getting a little bit uh, ridiculous. But it's certainly, uh, he certainly leaves it up to the reader to or the viewer to to kind of put their own interpretation on uh, on what's going on, uh, presented without so- comment. <clears throat> So, Jed, what's your connection with this Freedom Convoy? You've just been following it or what? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I was born and raised in New Brunswick, Canada. Um, there's been a very small, like, I don't even want to call it a convoy here. Um, and the people in my province are aging yeah. and overweight and there's not yeah, that yeah. much like fiery spirit. So uh, the attempts here have been very small and uh, not really worth paying a whole lot of attention to. And I mean, Blaine Higgs, uh, our premier, is, is kind of an old fart and like no one likes him <laughs> like on, on either side. Um, so, meh. yeah, I've just been paying attention to uh because i want to i'm trying to get out of canada i do not want to be under a state that at will can lock me in my own house and exclude me from private businesses uh or or cancel holidays with family so what happens there in new Brunswick if you just ignore the rules because a lot of in alberta a lot of people have been doing that and if they if they gotten fines they just went to court and most have those I just get out without paying the fines. So this is a little. Was that of, in New Brunswick? As a little bit of a backstory, when COVID lockdowns first hit my area, um, I'm not a very social person, but you know, I was seeing one friend. Uh, this friend is like a two-minute walk away, so it's and it, literal like I'd walk out my door, make two right turns, I could see his house. Uh, and those right turns yeah. were both like you know, 10 steps each. So um, during this time, I had, I had expressed to my roommates that I thought that the lockdowns were a violation of a couple of our fundamental uh, rights and freedoms. And I woke yeah. up a Sunday morning with, uh, well, I was still in my house coat, uh, just in my underwear, and there was a cop knocking at my door. And okay. I opened, like, I didn't think, you know... I, everyone thinks that they're doing the right thing. So I understand 
uh, if right. people could say like you're yeah. a bad guy and I don't get that yeah, immediately yeah. like I'll reflect yeah, yeah. on that sure right, right, right. but this cop essentially threatened with either an arrest or for me to stay home um, just for this, boys. this was because you were not at your own place or what I think or it was because a, they saw you outside I th so I think it was a mix of two things one I think my old passive-aggressive roommate is a bootlicker uh, and a malicious person that I do not want, like, to be uh, around. Um, their brother is a cop, so there's a little, a little strain there. Um, and so how how come that is so different? Like in in Alberta, you're you're going to really have to look for any police officer that wants to enforce this. Why is that so different in New Brunswick? Why do police officers want to don't they understand don't they understand that like it's nice on tv when they say oh yeah there's lockdown strict regulations when in reality there's nothing going on but then at least everybody thinks it's like that as long as it's not enforced everybody can say oh we have lockdowns and we're following the rules but then it's not enforced so people can just do their own business that's how it works in alberta so we all just keep our mouth shut we pretend we have lockdowns nobody follows them and the police doesn't enforce it why can't they just do that in new brunswick why do why do these why are these officers why why don't these officers understand context? So I think uh, for the majority of New Brunswickers, that is the case. Um, now businesses just a, select, a select group of police officers that just want to put even more suffering onto people. So so um, there's a couple things interesting about the city that I live in. Our police force okay. is older than Canada. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the first police forces in all of Canada and the city that I live in is, you know, what is the, one, one of the first places that um, people settled in like the, the, the English. Okay. Um, the majority of New Brunswick, or like modern New Brunswick history, I would say is very like fundamentalist Christian. Um, okay. So I think some of it is a little bit of the pendulum swinging from that extreme you know, right. conservative, I would say traditionalist, to yeah. uh, very liberal. And, and the Maritimes in general, so New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI, I don't really want to include Newfoundland in this, but they are the Maritimes, um, is is very, uh, we get a lot of wealth transfer. There's a lot of uh, disability, there's a lot of welfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think right. because the Liberal Party promotes uh, you know, first off, the the transfer of a lot of those funds, but also these uh, pro health, uh, public health service messages. I think a lot of the general public, which I like, I always I feel like Michael Malice is like talking in my ear right now. I, most people are just NPCs. They're just going to take whatever they don't. It's hard to think. They're just going to take whatever they're being told and be like, that makes sense. Like that emotionally is responding with me. So um, yeah. So, and, and because the liberals give the money or at least more money, follow their narrative. So what, what happened with the interaction between you and the police officer? I was very irritated. Is it? Uh, well, yeah, I've but never I, been I, like, I've never, never in my, I've never in my life. I don't, I don't, I don't know how I would I do know how I would respond to it. Like if I like, if a police officer would show up and say, you have to stay in your house. 
Like, so I just, how how can I I just cannot accept that? That's just so like that's such a betrayal of like everything that Canada stands for. Like, holy shit! So so the, okay. So I opened the door and he's like, "Are you so and so?" And I was like, "Yeah." You know, in slippers and a house coat, and he's like, "All right, you might want to step outside." And me being confused and again feeling like I hadn't done anything wrong, I'm like, "Sure, why not?" Mistake number one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I closed the door and. Um, I was living in kind of a wealthier little lane in the city. And mm-hmm. I know that every single one of my neighbors could see me dealing with the cops there. And it was just like... Was this in winter or summer? Uh, this was, um, I think, in spring, just going into the summer. Okay, okay. And uh, he, as soon as I you know, came outside, he's like, so I heard you think the, the, the lockdowns are against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And I was like, yes, I do already getting anxious about the whole thing and uh he went on to explain that the emergency act justifies that and essentially nullifies portions of the charter of rights and freedoms and you know i I, okay so it's it's a worthless document then that's fine but isn't the rule of law that it applies equally to all men and that like i can't i just can't have like cops do not want to debate right yeah so i have this i don't know if it's because i'm autistic i don't know if it's just like I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I, I need to have that conversation. And I realized that if I did, I've seen what happened yeah, to Eric Garner, no, right? No, I'm no, going to get shot. No, don't, don't, yeah. have it with a cop. don't ever have it with a cop. Do it with a cop. You just say, yes, amen. Do whatever you have to do to make him leave and then just do your own thing. Right? It's, like, it's so, never worth it. It's just not worth it. So we had a little bit of this back and forth and he was like, well, do I have right. to put you under arrest? And I was like, nope. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> like, no, you don't. Uh, and he, he gave me this slip that was essentially a, a formal warning. And I was just like, okay, can I go? Am I free to leave? Yep. All right, have a good day. Close the door. I packed my shit. I was out of there by the end of the week. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really annoying. Really horrible to have that happen to you in Canada. Like, seriously. Like, I mean, if this is possible, anything is possible, right? Right. It just, it just, it just, it, it just means. But you, we're under, we're under the impression that that every that on average speaking, the military and the people that work in the police force, they serve the abstract of Canada, which is like the value system that we live under. Right. Uh, but that gets rook pulled under us suddenly. Just one tiny virus, and every everything everything we thought we had. We had, as long as it wasn't being challenged, and as soon as it was being challenged, and of course, politicians will say, well, we have majority support in the population, but like, you know, the creating consensus is so easy, right? If you, if, you, if you tell the media, tell them this, if you make everybody scared about whatever it is, there's your fake consensus, right? Yeah. Uh, and we, in Canada, we still do the first past the post voting. Uh, and Trudeau campaigned on electoral reform, but that never went, that never happened, right? So, at uh, at thirty two percent of the population of Canada's votes, yeah. Trudeau's majority government. <laughs> That's great consensus. Thirty two percent, guys, I love it. Well, you know, to be honest, like if I would be on the streets homeless if it wasn't for Trudeau, because I was completely out of money, and then and then I lost all my my all my busking and stuff. And then I had my car break down, so the the CRAB was a lifesaver for me. And if there if there had been a really conservative federal government at that time, I don't know if that would have happened. Now it's it's a horrible solution, right? Because it's just money printing, and you everybody pays the bill for it later, right? Yeah. 
but I was kind of happy it had happened that way. I knew a lot of people and it, it really helped them out that they were not in a situation where they had no wages, right? Yeah. Uh, so and they did that quickly and effectively and it, that was that helped people a lot, right? Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um I'm curious, and this is just what aboutism, so it's not really important to, right. to to think about it. But it's like, would we need the Serb if not for the ridiculous lockdowns? Now, again, as I said earlier, I don't trust yeah, the opposition of course, of course, of course. to not do the lockdowns. But, but, but in the beginning, look, you got to understand. We cannot be upset about the first response to COVID, right? People yeah, that people start were terrified. Dying, yeah, you could. Well, not terrifying, but if you would, you, we had these precedents. You'd look at Italy, you see a lot of old people were dying at the same time. They'd crashed our healthcare for a little bit. Their mortality rate briefly went up to like 7%, really, really high. So that freaked all these governments out a little bit, right? And for, for very good reasons. So I don't blame them for, for doing something, right? right? But then very, very quickly, what happened was that everybody decided, well, this is a nice crisis. And I'm going to politically take benefit of this crisis. That's what happened. Yeah. In the beginning, like Trudeau, he, I, we did very well. And uh, like Alberta was very well prepared for this. We had all the masks and all the ventilators and everything was stocked. Uh, nothing to do with, uh, with Kenny, but just people before him got, got everything ready. In the United States, they were really prepared uh, under Obama. They had like everything in place and everything got just completely broken down before the pandemic even. Uh, but then afterwards, you know, in the beginning it was, and it was, it was just, it was done by science and it was just like, the idea was very simple. Let's not all get sick at the same time. Let's just spread it out over time. But then they completely did a 180 from that. Uh, I, I think like last summer, they should have just opened up everything in Canada. Just let it open, let it play out. As soon as we would have hit, as soon as we, as soon as you, as soon as you get like 80% of everybody over 65 vaccinated, that's it. Yeah. That, that should have been it. That should have been it. And then you just switch it around to, because realistically speaking, like even in the beginning, they could have said, okay, everybody over 65, you have to stay inside and the rest can do whatever they want to. That would have had, that would have worked out way better. Uh, but you piss off your constituents a lot if you do that. Yeah, and and also I think that there would that would be at least under Canadian law age discrimination, which would if it went to federal court. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but Alberta has never really had any enforced lockdowns, right? Like even I wouldn't like even this is such an essential thing. Like even even if it's this if even if this was the most contagious, deadly, deadly thing that would you know kill you as soon as you step outside the door. I mean, even then, I don't think government should be like, oh, you have to stay inside. I mean, people, if it was that deadly, people would figure that out really quickly and they'd stay inside because they would be terrified or would just flee into the country and never come back. So, yeah, no, but uh, so I wasn't definitely not talking about lockdowns. I was just talking about very sensible things like, you know, the mask wearing does slow to spread a little bit down. Yeah. Uh, incentivize people to get the vaccine vaccines. Like you can just give they would have just been like, we give you an amazing tax benefit. You can't say no to if you get the vaccine. And then once you get to 70, 80%, that's, that's it. You're never going to get the remaining 20%, whatever you do. Yeah. I think we're at, um, so, uh, 90% vaccinated for two shots nationwide, but only about 60% for the two shots plus boosters. Um, 
but I, that seems pretty good. I know that's higher than a lot of like G20 it's, nations. It's high enough now. And like, I don't know, 30% have had Omicron in their system. So they have a vaccine, one or two and some boosters, plus then the extra resistance from already having to have the virus in your body. So we should be good as long as no new variant comes out that is like 10 times more deadly. So hopefully <laughs> this is now slowly going to become the end of it. Alberta is, is stopping the passports and everything like yeah, Alberta, I, I, Saskatchewan, I, PEI, yeah. and New Brunswick have all laid out plans to either drop yeah. them or here's the timeline on when we're going to drop them. Yeah. yeah, and I just, I just, it had happened once. I went into, I, I hadn't been vaccinated at that point. I went into a cafe and I had to show my QR code, which I didn't have and all that kind of stuff. I didn't make a scene or anything. I mean, like the private business, if they want to play by the rules, they want to play by the rules. I knew yeah. other businesses that weren't following that, so I just go inside do whatever. Uh, so, but yeah, I got, I got vaccinated, uh, not because I was worried about the virus or anything, just because then hopefully they'll leave me alone and I can travel again and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, uh, um, and so, you know, it, sp- it spreads, it doesn't spread as much with me anymore. That's why I got the two shots, but I also told myself, I was like, look, so I, I take my two shots. I get, I get my QR code. Now I have access to everything again. If they change this, if they say, no, you got to go for a third shot. I would not have done that. I would not have done that. Well, would have Canada's got enough shots. There I... We can do 11 shots per person. 11 shots. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, like, there would always be, a, it would be like a different vaccine, right? Yeah. Or like a, right, an updated version or whatever. And so, and also like, um, yeah, if they, we might end up under a law where it's like, you, it, it, it might become mandatory to take a vaccine for this every year. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that. On one hand, I really don't care about the vaccine. I'm not not afraid of them at this at this point. I don't think absolutely anything wrong with them. They they are amazing. They they help great with fighting this stupid pandemic. But on the other hand, like just making making stuff mandatory so that the government can say, okay, well, this company now has the right to put stuff in your body every year. That's just so freaking scary, man. Because you just know when it becomes normalized, uh, eventually that's going to go horribly wrong at some point, right? You just know that. Yeah. So I'm I'm patient and I work from home. And I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful I have that luxury. I get everything delivered. Like I have no reason to leave my house at all at this point. Because like, I just, I, uh, I don't know. I, I respect private business through and through. Um, I feel like they have undue pressure, like they are being made these sheriffs for, from the government, which I think is kind of odd. Yeah. But I like yeah. if if I ever went anywhere, I'd bring a mask with me. If someone asked me to put it on, that's no problem. Yeah. But yeah. I'm very glad that I don't have to, and I'm waiting for the chance to go somewhere. But did you leave? Did you 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 left Canada or not yet? I left the city. I uh, I went to live the in uh, the woods, essentially. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did that for four months. Um, Found some remote work and just oh, nice. nice, not great. Come pay. to the move to Alberta. I'm leaving or Canada any of, any as soon problem. as I can, Brad. Well, what nation? Like, what nation are you going to find a refuge from all this <sighs> bullshit? Well, so here's the thing. I don't know if because I have this very sneaking suspicion, like. It's not just Canada, like uh, Finland, uh, New Zealand, Australia, France are all having these convoy protests now. 
So, um, there, I've, I've, I've okay, been doing so, this Scandinavia. I didn't do much. There were hardly any lockdowns or anything. They just like, let's get vaccinated and we'll see what happened. And nothing really bad happened there. Their healthcare managed just fine. We just they didn't do most of the stuff. We Sweden Sweden shows that most of the stuff we did. If we hadn't done that, it would have played out exactly the same. Yeah. So or I think more or less exactly the same. Such as you, such a small difference. The cost of doing it was was way higher than any benefits whatsoever. Well, hang on a second. So I'm not an expert on on this, but I just sort of want to yeah, throw something in here, which is uh, that I know a guy who's uh, Swedish, and he <clears throat> he uh, I asked him what he thought about all this because Sweden has been a heavily discussed you know case of or a heavily discussed you know a different approach and all that. And the point he said was he he kind of laughed about it because he said, look, the culture in Sweden is already very, very sort of anti-sociable, like social, you know, the population is low and people will already naturally, you know, sit at opposite ends of a bus, like, for instance, just even before any of this started. Uh, So from his point of view, he said, okay, look, maybe the outcomes were different in Sweden, and obviously we're never going to know 100% if those same things had been done somewhere else, if it would have been the same or not. But he said that, you know, in his view, there was a huge... Or, uh, pre-existing cultural reasons that wouldn't necessarily apply in other places using the same uh, kind of approaches. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very fair. Yeah, yeah. So two years into it, I think my biggest question, that's not just a what aboutism, is why haven't we, regardless of political party, gone? Wow, our healthcare infrastructure is garbage. This needs more money. We need more nurses. We need more doctors. You want the answer from a Canadian perspective? Because I can tell you that. I, I want the last, to... the last, the last twenty or thirty years, a whole bunch of rich people with some political influence have looked at the United States, have looked at the enormous amounts of money that uh, the insurance companies and everything there because healthcare is a total scam in the United States. They've looked at that and they have uh, done whatever they could to start privatizing healthcare in Canada to go to the American system because then they could make so much more money. So if you, that's that's the whole reason why they have been like uh, breaking it down. Uh, I mean, so <clears throat> medicine gets better and better. And so they've just been like, uh, if you just look at like, for instance, uh, if you look at hospital beds per thousand people, uh, this has gone down in like most modern nations, but that's just because uh, we don't need that many hospital beds anymore. But if you just look at like already the difference between Belgium and Canada is like uh, in Belgium, they have 5.5, 5.5 hospital beds per thousand people. In Canada, it's only 2.5. And the, and, uh, and the difference there is just really this, these, uh, these guys in politics that in the last 20, 30 years, have done whatever they could to start just moving away from what Canada has now and just go to like private healthcare. So, and, and all, especially in Alberta, Kenny really would like to go to private healthcare. So they have done whatever they could to just like piss off doctors, piss off nurses and just start preparing. They COVID was a blessing to them because this is what the, this is, this gave them a good excuse to damage healthcare even further than it was already damaged. But yeah. <laughs> there's absolutely no, like, if we if we could have we could have just left the entire economy how it was used all that CRAB money to just like uh, incre- increase ICU capacity 
and just rapidly started training up nurses. You can train a nurse up for COVID work in like a year and a half if you really have to. Yeah, like a or nursing a boot camp. Really Let's go. It's exactly. For the they've done that and they've done it in some other. They could have put all that money in there. You know what the end result would have been after then the pandemic is would be open. We would have some extra ICU capacity, which we needed anyways. And yeah. we have some extra nurses, which we needed anyway. So we need that would have so kind of been doctors. a long-term, a long-term investment. So like if they, at the beginning of the pandemic, they would have said, okay, we're going to pay all nurses double pay from before. We're going to rapidly start a, a highly incentivized uh, nursing training program. We, you can get, uh, you can get a nursing degree now completely free. The government will pay for it. Uh, and we'll give you a nice tax break. Now just try to get your de- degree in a year. This is your chance. You just go to school for a year. You have a degree for the rest of your life, and we pay for it. They could have they could have done this from the federal, from a provincial. They could have just done it, and but there was no political goodwill for that because they want to go with the exact opposite. Uh, a lot of not everybody, but a lot of uh, mainly conservative, fake conservative people, especially in Alberta, they just want to. Go to private private healthcare instead, which is horrible, right? Healthcare, healthcare, and like the fire guys and the police guys. These are just like these are services, right? These are not supposed to be profitable, right? These are services that we as a society have decided we pay into that. So everybody has a good service, and just making healthcare private is just evil. It's just plain evil. Do you think so? Um, I. Uh, have no problems with like socialized healthcare. I think it it will, it's been a blessing in my life. I had a knee, uh, tumor at one point, so I had to go through that. Um, but I do, I have no. I wouldn't mind. I don't want a complete transition. I would like to see. Now I understand where this could drain. Like the financial incentives get a little muddy, but I wouldn't mind having the option. You have your public health. You, you can't. You really can't. Have, either you have single payer healthcare or you don't, and there's really no in between there. Like you can't really have public and private healthcare at the same time. Then both get more expensive. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're gonna get. It's gonna get more expensive. Like regardless. And, but why would you? Why would you even want private healthcare? Because like if you have, it took if you have two years single, to get a bone oh, to tumor get, removed. Right. Okay. Right. But then wouldn't the solution just be to have better healthcare, not necessarily to privatize it? So so I think part of the, like, where it's just like most things in the Western world, we've dug ourselves down this hole way too far. So I look back to um, for, uh, medical fraternity, uh, fraternities and the uh, medical societies where doctors would have contracts and uh, like, like localized geographic areas would bid for contracts and if doctors performed poorly well they would get fired and if doctors performed well well there is a better uh demand or higher demand for those so i i think like and there while the quality of medicine wasn't as high i think that had more to do with technology than uh, i don't know like the 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 uh quality or qualifications of the individual um so i you know this is again just what about his i don't think it's really important to to pay too much attention to it but 
I, I really genuinely wonder if we still had some semblance of those medical fraternities, would we have a better quality uh, and just a more voluntary version of healthcare than we currently do? I just like I, I, I've I've seen I've seen just the Nordic model at work in, in, in Europe and in Belgium. Like Canadians think they have really good healthcare, but it's just compared to the United States, you know, compared yeah. to Belgium. It's sort of really really shitty here. Like my asthma medication in Belgium, those inhalers would cost me maybe five or ten euros there. And everything there was was done wonderfully, like right. So so you pay an amount of money. And then you get some back and what you get back just depends on how high your income is. So that just means that like, so not only do, uh, well, okay. So proportionally, you know, uh, taxpayers kind of pay the same, but then when it comes to getting your benefits back, uh, uh, back, like the lower your income is, the more money you get back that you have paid into this. And I think that's an absolute, it's an, it's an absolute great, great system because it's, it just equalizes everything, right? You want to have a society where that really smart person that is born into a poor family has the exact same chances at making it as, as a rich kid, right? The United States does not have that at all. Canada has that a little bit, but Europe is just such a blessing there, right? Anybody, anybody that, that, that has it in them can, can, can get, can study up and, uh, and do all these kinds of stuff. I, I think that's, it's a great system. And I just wish that in, that in Canada would just go full out on the Nordic model. If they, just, if they would just follow that, it fix a lot that's wrong with healthcare right now. And then you wouldn't have to wait two years for your surgery. I think a lot of that attitude is just cultural, like, like weird superiority complex because we're neighbors with America. Uh, I yeah. think that fundamentally yeah. just comes down to looking. We're not yeah. those guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, I have to start signing up. We've been uh, going for uh, for a while. Yeah, we have to get some food. Yeah, this this definitely all just uh, changed track a little bit, and that's that's completely fine. It's been great having uh, you and Daisy on the show, and uh, definitely I'll I'll get you back as well on on some time so we can. Uh, chat about bth and chat about the world uh as well too i think it'll be interesting also to see the the viewer reactions like might try and do some stuff that's more like live stream style uh like this you know where things uh have less of a kind of uh you know uh, schedule or whatever but i don't know just before we uh sign off then yeah we've already been uh going for quite a while i don't know if you just want to see if uh, daisy has any yeah final uh points yeah. or, or do you want to give any kind of message to the uh, BCH community? Hey Daisy, do you have any uh, last uh, message for the uh, BCH community? Hey, what's your TikTok? Yeah, what's your TikTok? Shout out uh, your TikTok uh, link. We get a few more followers. It's Daisy Fabria at daisy fabria we'll uh we'll link it uh in the description of the episode and stuff so that everybody can uh follow you there and uh get some more pch uh, and other content i'm sure too um awesome. yes well thanks for having us in the stream and uh, uh yeah i i really like you uh you, you guys stream that it's just nice to just uh talk with people that have the same core values right that's basically just like bch is there and we just build everything around that but bch in the greater scheme of things isn't even the most important thing it's just a tool that helps us 
create this world that we think is is just better and more in line with the values we all have. So yeah, I wish you guys a, a nice rest of your day, and we'll see you some other time. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thanks for joining, and uh, we'll, we'll chat soon. Thanks, guys. Okay, bye bye. All right, cool. So, uh, Jed, I don't know. Do you want to uh, do you want to do meme of the week with me, and then we'll just uh, finish it up, get a last uh, laugh in there, or yeah, here, let me uh, just uh, let me just maneuver this screen around real quick because we only see <laughs> half your face. And 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 sorry that got so derailed. I feel like that was partially. Me. No, no, that's no, that's fine, man. I'm, I was uh, more than happy to do it, and I will be uh, putting. We'll, we'll put a little uh, note on the start of this episode to the viewers, just uh, kind of explaining how things uh, developed and and get some feedback, right? So if you've listened all the way through uh, this episode, um, definitely feel free to get in contact with uh, me on the Telegram group. Bitcoin Cash uh, podcast or send me an email jeremy at bitcoincashpodcast.com uh, because uh, yeah things just kind of naturally took a bit of a different turn and I'm always open to experimentation right so maybe people think this was great and we can do more stuff like that uh, maybe people would just rather that we did the usual podcast so we just hit the points and then uh, get through everything in a timely amount of money maybe we have a bit of bit of both uh but you know i could sort of see there's definitely some valuable conversation happening there so uh you know we'll uh we'll reflect on that and and think about that for some uh future streams but before we uh sign off then we've just got uh one one last little meme of the week i just really wanted to get this in here okay uh, i'm just fixing this last thing oh so that... it... This did really like. <laughs> okay, okay, that's the top's good, top's good, and bottom. Uh, no, no, that's too little. Uh, thank you for your patience, viewers. It's great. Well, while you're working on that, I'll give it. I'll give it the. I'll give it the introduction. So it's uh, the meme of the week. It comes from Christine Lagarde, who is the. Um, oh right, uh, I have that open uh, in. IMF. I don't know what it, what is she technically? Let's let me just. What her actual position? She's sort of like the head of the IMF. She's the current president of the European Central Bank, right? Uh, since two thousand and nineteen, and she uh, obviously gives updates about currency and what the IMF are doing to sort of centrally control the world uh, monetary system. So the exact opposite of the grassroots cryptocurrency. Uh, movement and one of their things is sort of similar to the Federal Reserve in America that they're supposed to sort of maintain price stability and not let things get out of whack. Of course, it's a complete farce because the more they intervene to try and stabilize things, the more they just create cracks under the surface that the market doesn't uh, work out uh, naturally itself. So uh, obviously, we started the show talking a bit about inflation and the US uh, national debt getting to all-time highs uh and so christine lagarde had a, a few words to say about that so i thought this could be uh meme of the week so let's hear what she has to say an inflation profile which looks like a hump so it does clearly increased uh over the last uh three quarters 
And we know how painful it is. We know that, you know, life is more expensive as a result, particularly for those people who have a low income and who are more exposed to prices rising, particularly when, you know, you fill up the tank. But we see it as a hump, and a hump eventually declines. And this is what we project for 22, that inflation will decline over the course of 22. So, yeah, that uh, that just made me absolutely laugh the first time I saw it, that Christine Lagarde, she thinks it's a hump. What evidence is there for that? What science is there? What stats? There's nothing. It's literally just a narrative of where we hope, more like we hope that you'll believe us when we tell you this story, that it's a hump. And she has a little hand movement where she tries to like convince you that it's like a magician, you know, here's the hump and here's where it's going to go. Of course, inflation has been going up despite the fact that they said it wouldn't or that it's all stable because there's so much money being printed. It's literally that simple. And then now we've got this new narrative of the hump and of course, that's not going to come to fruition either. There's going to be more inflation. Of course there is. But uh, the story you're being told by Christine Lagarde, the genius, uh, you know, head of the ECB or whatever with all her controls and powers, it's just like, it's just, it's, it's just a story. It's a complete narrative. It's a fiction uh, that we're being uh, told. And just, I, I don't know, it just made me laugh so much. I don't know who believes in this stuff or who listens to it i'm sure there's millions of people who do but the fact of the matter is if you just think it through rationally yourself five seconds uh and think about the history of these sort of bankers predictions of what's going to happen it's just self-serving rhetoric it's nothing to do with the accurate status of what what is happening in the world really so yeah i don't know so the ecb has these this lady is it the imf that has that really big guy uh yeah I, you I know, know who i'm talking i, I know about, who you're right? talking about yeah, yeah 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 i don't know what his name is uh the um the finance minister of germany at the start of covid uh killed themselves and i'm kind of interested if they ran their own models and were like there i can't there's i'm not I'm not doing this again the last time Germany had a massive problem with their money system, I'm out. Well, we might be heading back towards a Weimar Germany type of situation. So uh, everybody be aware. You, you're hearing the real talk on this uh, podcast. It's not going to be a hump. There's going to be a lot more inflation. US debt is getting to unsustainable level. It always has been. The system is designed so that we will forever be in debt. And that's the point of Bitcoin Cash. So join the cryptocurrency economy, start trading in that because that's an asset-based system, which just fundamentally gives the world a bit of a free out of just the enormous mess that we are currently in. Has, so, has <laughs> like the price of your groceries gone up over the past year? Well, yeah yeah well, i mean mine personally mine has i know for sure the food and and stuff that i buy um i mean i, I don't i have pretty limited spending pattern really i buy a bit of food and i pay for my housing which is on a 
contract so that hasn't uh, changed and I've been surprised there hasn't been more uh, word from my landlord kind of about that uh, I would have expected that but it seems like that's insulated a bit at the moment but price of food is going up definitely um, and there's not much else that I regularly kind of buy to be honest uh, my utilities and all that are included so it's just uh, it's been it's been sort of fine-ish from but I can see it happening everywhere when I just look around at the price labels on stuff and this kind of Christine Lagarde trying to gaslight people about the price of literally gas right that's so many that's where people feel it like the pinch at the pump or whatever all those like slogans are like people notice where that's something that they're really tuned into the price of and so when that that starts going up the, the the common people or the people at large sort of really really feel it even if these bankers are trying to tell them some other story like they can just see that it's a lie in their everyday experience and they feel the direct uh pain of that and so yeah it just ties into everything we've talked about with people searching out alternative sources of information people adopting cryptocurrency people realizing the system needs to change and, and people realizing that they're not being served they're they're actually <laughs> controlled uh it's the opposite they're doing the serving even though they're probably at the bottom of the pile I'm curious if, like, you know, the, the, the average, like, the really average blue-collar worker that doesn't even turn on the news, that just, you know, watches The Simpsons or something, if uh, if they remember that crude oil was negative dollars, like, a year and a half ago, and they're like, what in the fuck happened? <laughs> like, e- like, even if you don't pay any attention to anything, the prices of gas were so low... And how, like, how strained is the industrial, like, I don't understand how it works, and I'm really ignorant about this, sure, but uh, how is it that in a year and a half, like, we go from negative dollars to prices are rising, you know, 20, 30, 40% at the pump? Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert on oil either, so I couldn't give you you know the accurate summary but i do know for sure that like with the what just goes to show how financialized everything is uh really you know that's the the simple the simple answer i mean oil obviously has a lot of geopolitical stuff you know what saudi arabia is up to what russia is up to you know how natural gas is coming along in different parts of the world how you know renewable energy is performing like this (laughs) <laughs> we need to have a whole you know, expert guest or a whole separate podcast to get through oil but it really just goes to show right that the average person suffers at the result of these kind of whims of uh, the manipulated levers of power by by the people who do have access and control uh, over that kind of stuff because it's clearly not just you know the market figuring out a sort of supply and demand equal, equilibrium there's, there's, there's no question about that all right. Well, I think that will do it for this week. Then we'll just hit the last slide. And uh, as always, yeah, let 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 me know um, as the as the viewers if you've uh, enjoyed a bit of this uh, tangential stuff, and maybe we'll do more of it. Or if you just want to hear the <laughs> regular Bitcoin Cash podcast, or maybe there'll be hybrids, or maybe we can do a, a separate. Um, a separate thing for that obviously we've been talking about the bch builders scene maybe we can ditch that and 
create a more live stream based um, discussion platform. I don't know, lots of different ideas, but uh, I'll be I'll be paying close attention to the the viewer feedback uh, as to what you all thought and if you enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that that will do it for the show. Uh, thank you to all the donators. Huge shout out! It makes a huge difference. Uh, and yeah, really <laughs> gives us the time and resources to to work on this kind of stuff. Um, the start guide, FAQ links and everything are at bitcoincashpodcast.com. You can check that out at the bottom of the page. There's links to the Telegram group and to uh, you know all the other platforms. You can follow the podcast. And if you don't know anything about cryptocurrency, that's what I recommend. Take an hour, read the start guide, uh, and you'll have a much firmer uh, grasp of, of what's kind of all going on uh, and yeah shout outs uh, for the show do you want to give any uh, shout out this week Jet? I guess to my fellow Leafs who are in uh, Ottawa right now uh, in your hot tub or in your bouncy castle or just having a good time in that downtown core uh, keep the spirits high you know keep things non-violent it's been uh, i'm so amazed that things have gotten this far and there's still no uh like direct confirmed violence um and i guess uh to our guest um i think it's important that we get you know we've had so many western guests on and i think that it's important that we get some of the people that uh are more affected by you know the volatility of cryptocurrency and actually using actually using it rather than the west is so much about speculation and hype so that's it from me yeah i just want to echo that uh yeah you know it was uh kind of really brave by daisy she was actually quite uh anxious and stuff about coming on the podcast she she did want to uh do it um but uh yeah she she you know that was a that was a big effort for her so thank you to her for uh coming on the show she's really really engaged with the bitcoin cash community for anybody who's on tiktok or whatever go and uh check out her, her stuff it's certainly very different to this uh this podcast so uh you might find something new there uh, that you like and and thanks to uh matthias as well kaniak who's also uh does a lot of great work in the in the bch scene and it just so happened uh that he was uh ended up involved in this in this uh session as well too but we will definitely try and uh find another time to get him on for some more uh thoughts on the on the crypto scene as well too so that will do it for this week uh thank you to all the viewers, and until next time. The government shows. While the rich banks rob ya. Property's blind, man. Future dollars can buy nothing for ya. You've heard of inflation, right? Banks fucked you royal. Had fun at the bank recently. So are you loyal? Real talk. Time to crypto switch. That's BCH, bitch. Now let's keep the bankers rich. It's on you.